0: Welcome to the Sustainable Business Australia podcast. It's the 20th of February 2018. I'm your host, Andrew Woodward. Today we're talking about tackling emissions in the supply chain. Here's the good news. The number of companies forging ahead with industry-leading approaches has doubled in just the last 12 months. This news comes from CDP, the non-profit global environmental disclosure platform. CDP has awarded 58 companies out of a potential 3,000 plus a place on its second annual Supplier Engagement Leaderboard, and that's double the number identified in 2017. For more on this, we talk with Rosalind Keller-Liang. She's the manager for CDP in Southeast Asia. So Ros, let's just talk about a very general theme of supplier engagement. When I first read your news release, I thought to myself, this would appear to be a fairly niche area of the sustainability mix. So, I guess I've got two questions for you: Is it a niche area, and uh, if so, or if not, you know, what is a uh, you know CDP's interest in the issue?
1: I think traditionally it is a niche area because many companies um, see supplier or their supply chain as something separate from their direct operations. And, but, but their supply chain is actually very much part of their operation and would make up their scope free. Um, if, if it, it may be a bit too technical to, to get into scope free, but their supply chain is very much a part of their operations, which make up all their business risks and all the cost considerations And the risk and the cost part are all interconnected, right? So in that sense, it is not really a niche area. It's a big part of their business operation because supply chain emissions ratio, when we look at emissions or risk, the supply chain emissions ratio compared to direct operations, is an average of four to one, which is really significant. And if... A business ignores the supply chain part in their climate risk assessment, then um, a big part is being ignored in this sense. Well, the interest, I would I would say that the, the the interest that CDP has in it is to encourage companies to look at the bigger picture and not really just engaging their suppliers in in assessing or or tackling the climate risk, it's not really just about that because when you engage your supply chain, it's, it's a very holistic approach. It's part of a holistic approach to managing your, your environmental impacts and assessment in your business, right? And climate-related, uh, say, risk has so much to do with supply chain. There are so many business cases if I were to name it, but the major ones being I would say extreme weather events, uh, regulation risks, and um, costs, right? Like price resilience, building the price resilience, building the resilience in your supply chain. And it's all together really important because you wanted to have having a, a, a supply chain partner or business partner that is sustainable and agile is simply the best business partner you can have.
0: So so let me pick up on that point. What did your research find, that the supply chain, a lot of companies do it within or do they outsource uh, their supply chain? And I guess, is there a difference between the emissions created by insourced or outsourced?
1: Um, it's not so much with insourced or outsourced. It, it would be all together it would be tackling them all together. So whether they're through third party manufacturers or whether it's through your own supply chain or uh, or you're outsourcing certain uh, manufacturing part of it, it's, it's altogether part of your, what, what we call a scope free inventory.
0: So uh, apart from the obvious, what makes for a company doing well um, on emissions reductions you know, in the supply chain? Is it simply a case of you know reducing emissions or is there more to it than that?
1: Reducing emissions, yes, that's one thing. Um, it's it's also about building the resilience. So building the resilience, building the relationship with your supply chain, um, tackling the climate risk and and in a way, it is uh, future proofing your business, right through through managing better, managing risks associated with uh, regulations and, um, say, price fluctuations or or climate-related extreme weather events that could affect uh, supply, right? Supply of certain raw materials, for example, and and the costs and the prices of natural resources, um, and that means business. Uh, that that means. For for business, we either need to find ways to protect them or otherwise you're paying higher prices to source them.
0: And so at a top level, what did you find?
1: At the top level, I think a lot of business are finding that through engaging suppliers, helping them improve their operation efficiencies, because essentially when they are looking at their emissions, their footprints, trying to make targets, or or come up with initiatives to reduce the footprint, you're essentially helping your supply chain to increase their operations efficiency, right? Reducing costs in that element. So with the cost savings, it puts the customer or the the purchasing organization in a better position to negotiate on, on, on future price terms or contracts. So a lot of companies are seeing this as a value and that's one of the the one of the major, I think, benefits or motivations for for companies to look into their supply chain.
0: So, so let me pick up on that point. You found that price is driving a lot of this rather than a general concern about carbon emissions or the environment or climate change. Is that a, a right way to put it?
1: Now, there are two ways to look at it. Of course, when you look at environmental side, environmental impact and footprint, you are increasing your brand value, right? Because you're showing your stakeholders, communities that you are trying to reduce the impact to the environment, giving them better quality of life, work balance. And that attracts investments and engagement, right? And some companies, they do that because... They engage the suppliers altogether with uh, their other climate strategies, such as trying to set science-based targets and trying to really manage their um, risk and impact uh, uh, to the environment. But at the same time, there are also price and cost savings benefits to it. So essentially, if we look at the sustainability model with the environment and the social side and and the economic element, they're all interconnected. So doing one thing, making one effort, or engaging your supply chain would bring in, you know, benefits, not just on the environmental side, but it links to the social element, increasing work balance, for example, and, 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 and giving better quality of life. And at the same time, you would realize the financial savings and opportunities There are tons of opportunities untapped. And what kind of opportunities we're looking at uh, increasing like uh, efficiency in their operations. So that could include um, adopting lower carbon technology or or new equipment, um, identifying new ventures um, or new strategic alliance. So all those contribute to say, developing new strategies, right? And, and these all would inform a better business model, which helps, helps business become more profitable through adopting a sustainability practice in their sub- supply chain.
0: So there are lots of household names on your list. What were some of the standouts?
1: Most of them are in the US and Europe. So, for example, on the consumer lines, we have uh, Walmart, L'Oreal, Nestle, uh, McDonald's, Metro, Metro Retailer, Kellogg, Kyle. On the finance side, finance um, industry, we have um, Bank of America, for example. We have BT Group. Um, They do a wonderful job. And MetLife, TD Bank, uh, Societe Generale, and... um, and on the utility side, we have NRG Energy uh, on a closer region, closer in Japan with Tokyo Gas, nat- National Grid in UK. and UK, and also there are some leaders in government entities. So we don't just work with corporates, we also work with like city, states, and governments. And so, for example, the General Service Administration in the U.S., they are basically the federal arm of the government. The state of California, uh, the Water Department, the Los Angeles Metro Transit Authority, um, and also several transportation uh, systems, say in Florida and in UK, and Taisei, in the near near region, Taisei is, um, oh, sorry, no, that's a Japanese uh, construction company. But yes, in general, government entities are... are more focused in in the US than in Europe. and What governments do differently than corporates is that they are using the supply chain program, for example, or or engaging their procurement with applying this to government procurement, public spending, and that's the larger scale of managing their supply chain effectively. But that's also a very good way of managing it.
0: And your list appears to be very heavily focused on the United States and Europe, does it worry you that there weren't many firms from Asia? I know you mentioned some firms from Japan, but uh, there weren't (laughs) too many firms from Asia on the list. Is that a worry or is that just a...
1: It is. It is. But um, it is also natural because, say, Asia and Australia, Australia a little bit more um, advanced than, say, Southeast Asia. But in general, this whole bigger region, it's it's what we call a, a new a new growing region with growing interest and huge potential for untapping opportunities. And so I would say, yes, it's, it's I wouldn't say worrying, but there is definitely a lot of room for companies to consider um, in the cost savings and in the untapping opportunities channel, there are lots of areas they can focus on in their supply chain and it's an area that hasn't received much priority uh, by far but should definitely it's a great area to look into it and for the for the on the management and on the board level as well um, it's it's a significant area to pay attention to.
0: So you've you've spoken about the geographic uh, issues and concerns there did your research identify anything else that worries you?
1: um yes actually well yes so we found that 23% of and this is globally globally we have we're seeing only 23% of suppliers that responded in 2017 uh to CDP that is engaging on climate with their supply chains and what that means is many, many suppliers are still not considering climate in their decision making. Right. And and that means there's still a large pool of untapped opportunities and and ways they could um, achieve financial savings that they haven't explored yet. So that is a concern globally. And another one I another thing I noticed is with property in the property development and construction sector, that this sector usually has a pretty intensive emissions uh, profile in their supply chain, and globally, I'm not seeing many businesses are very proactive yet in this area. So, this is this is definitely an area that CDP would like to see more um, participation.
0: So, Roz, wrapping up, we've heard lots today about this whole report about what you found. We've heard about some household names who are well down the path on this, but I'm sure there are many companies listening who may not be as well advanced as some of the others who are named in your report. If a company did want to improve its you know, climate leadership or emissions reductions in the supply chain, where's a good place for them to start?
1: I think looking at the report that we've just published, the supply chain report on the CDP website, that's a very good... Um, very good, informative booklet. And but when when looking at companies or looking at your peers on the list, if you see them, um, don't be overwhelmed with you know some companies' um, uh, achievements or quotations. Reporting disclosure is typically a journey, and particularly with engaging with suppliers, we would usually suggest looking, giving a three-year time frame to engage your supplier from from the engagement part uh, journey until realizing seeing results it would take around 3 years but the benefits or the rewards is tremendous and we have to start somewhere because if you don't then there's a lot of hidden risks that uh, with with a lot of hidden risks including the um, the the reputation the uh, um, extreme weather events, the price resilience factor, regulation changes overnight. And there are a lot of hidden risks that ties to additional costs that could be uh, a huge burden to your business. So it's it's an area that you need to look into and to start by coming up with a, a successful supplier engagement strategy. And that's something CDP is very um, uh, Uh, very confident with helping companies in this area.
0: That's Rosalind Keller-Liang from CDP Southeast Asia. We were talking about new work they've done on tackling emissions in the supply chain. All of the information talked about today is on the CDP website, that's cdp.net, and look for the Global Supply Chain Report 2018. That's it for now. Check your podcast feed or our website regularly for more news and views from SBA, its members and its collaborators on all things sustainability. I'm Andrew Woodward. Thanks for listening and for your interest in sustainability.